Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. When I returned to work, I was determined to get us into a solid routine and to arrive at work with a smile on my face and be Jesus' light in my workplace. But when I was preparing this message, a particular morning came to mind. So Ollie had decided the night before that he would rather have a party than go to sleep, and then we began our day at 5 a.m. And because he hadn't slept, he was all sorts of fun that morning. So, you know, Jono left for work, and then I took Ollie upstairs to get dressed. You know, I've got to look professional for my job, and then while I'm brushing my teeth, Ollie is trying to throw all my makeup down the toilet. But it's okay, we got through that, and I'm still smiling. But it was a pretty tight window for me to be able to drop Ollie off and then head to my morning meeting. It didn't allow for the unexpected to happen. So then half an hour later, I'm a bit behind schedule. We managed to make it to the car. But because Ollie was so overtired by this stage, he's just crying in the back on the way to daycare. And because I'm running a little bit late, then I've gotten stuck in traffic. So there I was, Ollie's screaming in the back, and I'm trying to calm him down. You know, I'm singing, the wheel's on the bus, in a slightly manic tone. (laughs) All the while, my teeth are gritted into a very tight smile. But we got there. We arrived at daycare. I bundled Ollie up with his bag. And while I patiently waited for all of the small children to, to dawdle through the gate, Inside, I am very conscious that my meeting is rapidly approaching. With a smile on my face, we arrive at the ducklings' room, and Ollie's teacher comes over to greet him, and she pulls him in for a cuddle. And at this point, Ollie has well and truly realized where we are. And so he's turning into me and clawing his way back into my arms as his teacher is trying to take him from me. And I'm still smiling and I'm saying, wow, Ollie, you're going to have such a good day today. And his teacher eventually managed to pry him away from me. And Ollie looked at me, pleading wide eyes and a quivering lip. And I gave him a kiss and I said, I love you. As he began to cry, and this wasn't just any cry. This was like a silent, I haven't taken a breath and I'm about to explode type of cry. And then I saw him take his breath, and I knew what was coming, and I quickly left out the door as I heard all of the children begin to cry one by one. (laughs) Okay, so my drop-off was done. To be honest, I felt exhausted already, like I'd already worked a whole day. And I got back in the car, and I tried to get my head back in the game for work. You know, where do I even work? How do I get there? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) But I blasted the worship music and I begin singing as I headed to work and, you know, the time is looking good. I'm going to make my morning meeting. And then I soon discovered that every other person wanted to drive that morning and so I found myself stuck in traffic again. I felt my smile getting tighter and tighter and at this point I was going kind of like back and forth from the clock to the traffic to the clock to the traffic. Now, Jono's probably laughing on the front row saying, were you really late, Emma? Because I'm, I am a person who tends to run quite early for things, but I think I actually was late, like legitimately that day. 
So I'm slowly moving through the traffic. I find myself hitting the steering wheel harder and harder in time with the music, you know. Joy, there's a joy in my soul. But I made it and I found a park and I ran to work and I got there just before the meeting started. (laughs) And if I'm being honest, I was a bit frazzled by then. I was wheezing from the running. My makeup had gone sweaty. My hair was frizzing. I was pretty sure I'd forgotten my lunch and my morning hadn't quite turned out as I thought it would. But I reminded myself that I was Jesus' light and with a smile on my face, I opened the door to and brightly greeted my colleagues on the way to my desk. And then I headed into my morning meeting only to discover that I was on urgent work that day. And I began to hear the details of the horrible situations facing some of our young people and families. And I felt despair rising up. And I took a breath and I smiled through the panic that was rising. And then I brushed my hair back behind my ear only to discover that it was oddly crunchy. So I looked down to see that I had all of Ollie's porridge right down my dress. And in one moment, my determination to do all things well, to be Jesus' light in my workplace was ruined. That's it. I quit. I'm not doing it anymore. I was ready to go back home and sleep for 10,000 years. (laughs) What's my point? (laughs) Bad things happen to good people, like having porridge crusted on your dress. No, but seriously, bad days do happen. And in the midst of beautiful moments things can turn so quickly. You know, the world is broken and bad things happen. The news isn't always good. Every day at the moment, it can seem like something else has happened, that COVID has taken over another part of the world or another lockdown is coming. You know, suffering happens and life can be painful. Cherry message, hey, I hope you're glad you came to church this morning, but we're not done because this is where Jesus meets us. Jesus meets us in the middle of a hard world, an almost but not yet world. And Jesus says in John 15, verse nine, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. And I wanna look at all of John 15 today, but I wanna start by focusing on verse 11. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So today I wanna talk about joy. And when I say joy, I don't just mean happy clappy. I don't just mean Instagram pretending. Joy is a feeling or a state of well-being or contentment. It's interesting. When I was researching joy and I, I looked on Google, and Google provided the use of a joy in a sentence to help me understand. And it said this, her joy was complete when she got her first home. 
I find it so telling that as a society, we define our joy and contentment and well-being by things and possessions and financial security. You know, that'll do it. Today, I want to remind us that we have joy available to us. But I also want to ask, are we pursuing joy in the moment to moment, in the fleeting? Or are we seeking a joy that lasts? Because let's not intentionally pursue disappointment. Let's be a people that pursue meaning. And at the moment with COVID, you might find disappointment comes easily, or you might not be affected at all. But either way, I think it's essential that we remind ourselves how we can pursue joy. So here Jesus is, and he starts his chat with the disciples by saying, abide in me, rely in me, live in me. And then he says that his purpose for telling them these things was so that they could know the joy that he knows, which sounds great, but he goes on to qualify this by saying, you'll really need joy because, John, 18, John 15 verse 18, just remember when the unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. So remember what I taught you, that a servant isn't superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one who sent me. Oh no, we're back at the dark stuff. Life is hard and the world naturally rebels against Jesus. Our sinful nature hates the love that he brings. But again, chapter 15 ends on an encouragement. In verse 26 it says, And I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my Father. He will come to you, the Spirit of truth emanating from the Father, and he will speak to you about me. And you will tell everyone the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start. So in John 15, Jesus says the following, that in him we find joy, that in following him we will find pain, and that he will send the Holy Spirit to help us. And those are the three things that I'd like to pull out and look at today. And the disciples' response is to say, when? When do we get help? Which is an understandable question in pain and hardship, eh? And isn't that relatable? When? When do we get help? When do I get a break? When will COVID go away? When will my business recover? When will my miracle happen? When do I get breakthrough? And what we're really asking is, when will the world be fixed? <laughs> when will the pain go away? And so this morning, my question is, how do we find joy today? And point number one is we find joy in trusting God. You know, since we've had kids, we've had, we've, we now have two cars. And I've gotten pretty used to being the driver. And I like to be in control. <laughs> so on weekends, um, when we're driving together and Jono is the driver, 
Some might say that I find being the passenger a bit hard. (laughs) I'm so used to being the driver that I can actually feel quite anxious when I'm a passenger. So sometimes, hypothetically, we'll be driving and something will happen and I might let out a little bit of a gasp. (laughs) Or some might say I'm a wee bit jumpy and so I might jump a little bit in my seat. Now, I trust Jono. He's an excellent driver, and I love him very much, but I like to give him help at times. (laughs) Tips on driving, you know, reminders about where we're going and the right way to do things, (laughs) which is actually good because he often forgets where he is going. And sometimes... Jono responds in love and gratitude for these very helpful tips. And other times, he might not. (laughs) It's hard to be a passenger. Sometimes it's scary to be a passenger, to put your trust in the unknown, to put our faith in someone else who is driving. It's hard to be a passenger in life, to trust God. Because God sees things so differently to how we do. And in 2 Peter 3 verse 8, it says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Or in Isaiah 55 verse 9, it says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, our thoughts can steer us the wrong way and be overwhelming at times. We can't always trust our thoughts. You know, sometimes I ask God, okay, God, where are we going? What's going to happen? You know, if I can see it, then I can pace myself and I can get there. I can understand where I'm going. But God doesn't always reveal the ending because in time, there are divine perspectives that we get. It's his way, his timing. He knows what he's doing. And God didn't create pain, but he is the creator of the healing process. And so we have to allow this to take place while we wait. You know, in Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Trust in God with all of our heart. We not only lean on our understanding, but we lean in with all of us. And so Jesus hears the disciples worrying. And in John 16, verse 19, it says this, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and it was obvious that they were anxious to ask him what he had meant. So he spoke up and he said, let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. The unbelieving world will be happy while you will be filled with sorrow. But know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. What strikes me from this passage is how much Jesus cared about how the disciples were feeling. You know, we have a deeply compassionate God. Jesus didn't just tell them to harden up, to stand up straight. He saw their anxiety their worry, and he cared how they felt mattered to him and how you feel matters to Jesus. 
And he sees more than we do. He sees the specific need that's in front of us, exactly where we're at, where you're headed and where you're going. Because there's beauty in the mess. And sometimes the world feels like screaming babies getting stuck in traffic and dried porridge. And right now the world is in a pandemic. It feels uncertain, anxiety-provoking, full of lockdowns and changes, and at times hopeless. But there is beauty in our everyday lives, in the seasons that feel like they're never going to end. And there's a process that we're going through, a process from death to life, of the world being made right, a process from grief to joy. But a lot of us live in the middle, and in the middle, there's a process. In the middle of pain and promise, there is potential. There's potential to see that God is working on your behalf. There's potential to see that he's using you to do things beyond what you could have ever imagined. But sometimes when it seems messy, we need to find the beauty in the mess. In Philippians 4 verse 4, Paul, 4 verse 4, Paul is in prison and he's faced great suffering. And yet he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. James 1 verse 2, we know this verse. I dislike this verse. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I do not consider it joy when I face trials. <laughs> I do not consider it joy when we go back into a lockdown. Truth be told, I want to put on my track pants. Well, more likely Jono's track pants because that's a bit more satisfying. <laughs> and I want to emotionally eat and I want to invite people into my pity party. This is what I want to do. I do not want to consider it joy. But we have to choose joy. And what Paul is saying is rejoice. And what is re? It's a prefix to go back again. Return. Remember. Rejoice. Come back again to God. Come back again and again and again. And remember that he is the joy. And what am I doing when I've said, I've had a bad day, I've thrown my towel in and I quit? I have to exercise the joy that God has given me access to, to remember that today is going to be okay. We need to return to joy. And imagine what we could do and how we could live if we just did that. It sounds so simple, but it's so hard. Because pain is gripping sometimes. Pain can overtake. You know, pain and grief don't just fizzle out and joy fizzles in. You know, these scriptures are talking about sorrow and pain that invades our space. Pain that actually takes over who we are. But Jesus uses the word turn into and Jesus isn't talking about just coming to fade out or weed out your pain. He's literally coming to turn your grief into joy. 
He's talking about transforming your pain and sorrow into a life of fullness and abundance and amazing things. But we need to embrace the becoming process. In the middle and between pain and promise is the becoming. It's the transformation. We need to have the center of who we are complete and filled with joy so that out of the overflow, we can be strong and strengthened and be able to be all that we were called to be. But a lot of us want it today. I know I want the quick fix sometimes. But this isn't how it works because the preparation following Jesus brings both pain and promise. And that's my second point today. Following Jesus brings pain and promise. So Jesus says in John 15 that the result of us following him will be pain, that it's going to be hard. And I think an aspect of our faith that we often shy away from is sacrifice. Because following Jesus means that we sacrifice. We sacrifice being our own gods. We sacrifice control for trust. We sacrifice comfort for meaning. Following Jesus brings more pain into our lives. And Jesus tells us this. And when the disciples hear this, they start worrying. And fear enough, me too. And so in response to the disciples' worries in John 16, Jesus points them towards purpose. Because there needs to be a purpose to our pain. Jesus brings more pain, but he also brings purpose. If you're on mission, if you are pursuing after what God has called you to, you can push through the pain. And Jesus uses the example of childbirth. He says in John 16, 21, just like a woman giving birth experiences intense labor pains and delivering her baby, Yet after the child is born, she quickly forgets what she went through because of the overwhelming joy of knowing that a new baby has been born into the world. I heard a few women laugh then. <laughs> quickly forgets now. <laughs> you know, I've got a pretty low pain threshold. You know, Ollie beats me up sometimes. He'll accidentally slap me in the face and it hurts me. But I birthed him. Let's not dwell on that. What I'm saying is I know how painful that is. But... When it's purposeful pain, we can tolerate a lot if we have a reason to. You know, sleepless nights, I've discovered I can put up with a lot of sleep deprivation if Ollie or Harry gives me a smile and a cuddle in the morning because there is purpose in the pain and then there's joy. And Jesus goes on in chapter 16 to say in verse 22, So you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you, but you will see me again, and then your hearts will burst with joy, with no one being able to take it from you. For here is eternal truth. When the time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you because of your relationship with me. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name, but now you can ask and keep on asking him. And you can be sure sure that you'll receive what you ask for and your joy will have no limits. 
Following Jesus brings pain. We die to ourselves. We take up our cross daily. We follow a saviour who says that following him will bring us pain. But pain is inevitable. Pain is in the world. The only pain that we should actually seek is pain with purpose. Everything else is fleeting. The joy passes. Following Jesus, living in sacrifice to his call, brings joy. And so Jesus says that in him we find joy. We find joy by trusting in Jesus. And that in following him we will find pain, but that following Jesus brings a purpose to that pain. And that he will send the Holy Spirit to help us. And so my third point is we need divine help. And I'm just going to invite the band up now. We're called to do more than we can handle because we're not meant to handle it on our own. We've been given the Holy Spirit to help us. And maybe you're here and you're in the midst of pain. You know, it's easier said than done. Can I encourage you this morning to forgive and let go of the pain? Forgive the scars of yesterday so that it doesn't limit you of the beautiful promise that God has for you today and tomorrow. The scripture says to ask Jesus, to receive from Jesus and to live in it. And once joy has invaded our space, can we flaunt it? Because joy looks good on us. And right now, in the middle of the hopelessness and the fear that can come with a pandemic, our world is desperately in need of joy. Joy looks good in the middle of what might seem horrible. And joy is a gift, a gift that we've been given. But like all gifts, we need to receive it. And in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 to 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's hand, that He may lift you up in due time. You know, in all of His great compassion and love, God's explanation is simply that He cares for you and that He loves you enough to give you this gift. So what do we have to do? How do we get divine help? We humble ourselves. We get out of the way. We get out of the driver's seat and allow Him to be in control. Allow Him and His great love to insert and invade the spaces of our lives that only He can. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Push into Him. Seek Him even when it's hard. You know, I love this song that we're going to be doing in church called Champion. When we remind ourselves of who God is, it changes our perspective on how we view ourselves and our world. You know, we know who we are because we know whose we are. And whatever you're facing today, church, you're not alone. When we lift our eyes above our circumstances, we can choose joy knowing that God is working on our behalf 
And once we see that, we can lift our voice and shout for the victory God has already given us over whatever you're facing. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 